1: All right, welcome to the Chronic Podcast. I'm your host, Ralph Malbrough, and it's a Wednesday middle of the week and we are joined by Kevin Held from Akeem Drops the Ball and Andrew Juge of the Saints Nation and occasionally... I've never heard of I've Never heard of him, of Canal Street Chronicles. Um, all right, gentlemen. Uh, I read today that the Atlanta Falcons are looking to trade up. So that... Gives an interesting scenario for the Saints. If no. Loomis takes a phone call, Andrew, and it's Thomas off, no. and nope. he says, Hey, I'll give you the first round nope. pick and our second round pick. We nope. come to 15. Do you do it?
2: Nope. No. No. Help. Help. Ralph. Ralph. Help. Nope. There is no way in hell <laughs> we are doing business with the Atlanta Falcons. It is just not nope. happening. There is. They they could offer their entire draft for the next seven years. I would not give them a seventh round pick this year. I don't care how good, how sweet it is. I don't care if the Atlanta Falcons offer us their 15 best defensive players for a six pack of seven up. I'm not making that trade with <laughs>
1: but, them. But but is that more? Is that more? Can you give me? I'll start with you, Andrew. Can you give me a rat? Can you give me? A rational argument and not the I hate Atlanta, fuck them, I hope they die argument because I agree with the emotional argument, but do you have any reasonable answer that doesn't involve fuck Atlanta for not doing no. the doing deal?
2: Ab- absolutely not. I <laughs> refuse to get... When it beco- when it comes to the Atlanta Falcons. I re- refuse to give you anything reasonable or with any sort of intelligence or thought process. Um, I'm sorry, Ralph. I think with my dick. Kevin. Yeah. Uh,
0: sheer principle. Just. I. Uh, you know. I, I. I. You can. You can throw a P Well. Frank, I mean. Frankly, Ralph, what if there was a really good reason. I mean.
2: No.
1: Go ahead, Andrew.
2: Hey, fuck you for asking, Ralph.
1: Well, y'all are going to crucify me. I'd do the deal. If this if Atlanta says, look, we'll give you the, the 30th pick and our second round pick, I'd do the deal. And the Saints need pick. They need picks. And if Atlanta wants to trade, you do the deal. Now, the, the thing that could backfire for the Saints, obviously, is if Atlanta trades up at 15 and they pick a guy and he ends up going to the Pro Bowl six times, the Saints will never have to hear the end of that shit. But! On the flip side, Atlanta's already done one huge trade-up, and they got Julio Jones. I doubt – the history says when you trade-up and give a shitload of picks, it usually ends up badly. They've already done it once with Julio Jones. They probably won't strike gold again. So I look at it this way. The Saints can get picks from Atlanta, and Atlanta's – the odds say they're going to make a bad pick. So you can make fun of them for like five years saying, ha, 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 you you picked Manti Teo to trade-up to get him – and he's a dud, and you gave us extra picks to do it. You don't
2: make deals with the
1: devil. Oh. You don't do it. No. So, no. so I am outvoted. I am outvoted. Oh. I'm outvoted 2-1. to I, one.
2: I, I need to go take a shower, man. <laughs> I mean, this podcast sucks, man. <laughs> you know, you come here, you ask us about dealing with the Atlanta Falcons. I, I feel like I just slept with my sister, man. <laughs> it's awful.
1: Well, in the Game of Thrones, that happens a lot. So... Uh, no. So, I mean, so, so, so the value of it, even if they gave you everything you wanted and more, you don't do the deal. Ralph, hurry
2: up and redeem yourself. Come on. <laughs> All right,
1: we'll move along. All right, now I mentioned Manti Te'o. M- Mel Kuyper has him going to the Saints at fifteen. Uh, you talk about needing to take a shower. <laughs> I don't need to be on marijuana, cocaine, and probably an IV drip if the Saints draft Manti Teo. And, Kevin, I know you're a Notre Dame homer, but don't tell me you'd be okay with the Saints picking Manti Teo at 15, especially after what he no. did against Alabama. No. Uh, look, the, his performance in the national championship game
0: Notwithstanding, uh, I'm I'm willing to admit that the only reason he was in the Heisman discussion was because he played for Notre Dame. I'm fully willing to admit that. If he played for anybody else, he wouldn't be there. I mean, he'd be lauded. I'm sure he'd get, like, All-American votes and, and, you know, all that kind of shit. But he would then fade into obscurity. Like most other guys do, unless he ended up doing something in the pros. But there wouldn't be all this pressure on him, and then when this controversy breaks, with the imaginary girlfriend or him being taken in and conned, uh, you know, I, I just feel like that wouldn't hang over him as much. This, it's gonna hang over him, and the national sports media is gonna descend on whoever drafts him, and that'll be an issue for, uh, it, at some point, that'll be issue, that'll be an issue that's going to have to be addressed. It's going to have to be dealt with, and he's going to have to get acclimated somewhere to that. Like, it, I almost think it'd be easier for for uh, a gay player to, to to come out of the closet than to deal with Manny Titeo
2: Wait, Manny
0: Teo gay. Provided he's not gay already. I mean, who knows if this was a giant cover-up, but it's like, it's, it's too many goddamn variables and too many questions, and long story short, when there's too many questions and variables, you just sort of shut down and you just start making fun of things or turn it off.
1: And, and I don't think he's good, and for all the circus that he brings, Andrew, he's not nearly good enough.
2: Yeah, I mean that's yeah, the bottom line yeah. for me with Theo. I just don't think the value is there at fifteen. You don't happen to have Kuyper's draft, draft his mock draft in front of you, do you?
1: No, but I can, uh, I can, I can, I can pull it up. Um, his, okay. His, well, his... I'll,
2: I'll talk out of my ass for a minute and then <laughs> pull it up. And then the question I want to ask you is to list you know a few players that Kyper has the Saints passing on um, in order to take. I mean, I'd love to know is Jarvis Jones available, is Barquidius Mingo available, you know, those types of guys. But um, yeah, I mean, he, he ran 440 times, you know, so he, 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 looked very slow in the national championship game. So um, maybe less of an issue in a three, four, because um, as an inside linebacker, you've got less ground to cover. So, mm-hmm.
3: um,
2: you know, the speed thing, you know, you, maybe in the same scheme an inside linebacker speed is less important. Uh, but I still think he needs, size-wise, he's, he, he's a little bit of a small frame. I mean, he's a thick guy, he's strong, but uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to come in year one and start.
0: Okay, and here's... The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge, or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables, Ooh, yum! and how you get the most out of select can't miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with
3: Amex.
1: Here's who's Kuiper has got going. He's got Tavon Austin going 16, Eifert going 17, Sylvester Williams from North Carolina going 18, Ogletree going 19, and Kyle Long going 20, uh, and Vacaro going 21. I would... I would like Ogletree. He might be a drunk and a bad seed for Georgia, but at least he's got talent. He's got much better physical talent than Manti Teo if you're going to put a guy at inside linebacker. Or I don't even mind Vaccaro at 15. I know some people think that's a little high, but to me, whether you pick a guy 15 or you pick a guy 22, it doesn't really
2: So are all the elite are all the elite pass rushers taken?
1: Yes. That's, his, well, that's Kuyper's honestly, reason.
2: Honestly, I would go either Vicaro or I would I would reach for a guy like Bjorn Werner of Florida State who I think has the potential to be a good 3-4 outside linebacker. Um, so, you know, I, I would make a pick like that. I, I just think at 15, it's it, the value just isn't there. I, it would be incredibly dumb for the Saints to pick Teal at 15. I think... If the scenario that Kuiper just laid out, where all of these guys are going, um, that we're kind of hoping fall to the Saints, uh, then that's fine. But you, then you need to trade back in that scenario. You, know, yeah, you need to find a team that wants to move up, that wants Tavon Austin, they, you know, that wants him at at um, at 15, and then you trade down. You may be the Rams. They've got two picks in the first round. We know they're targeting him. So maybe they move up and you get their ladder pick, and then another pick later, you know, uh, drop back in the first round. And then, you know, at 26, at 27, Tao's not a terrible pick. But he's going to be available later in the draft. And I think at 15, it's a horrible reach, and you're just not getting the value. It, it would be dumb.
1: Yeah, and, and Kevin, what, the, the thing is with the Saints, it seems to me, look, Mickey Loomis and, and Sean Payton, look, we, we all admit they're the best front-office combination the Saints have ever had. And their drafts have been, on defense, have been terrible. On offense, they've been better in the later rounds. But the one thing you can say about the Saints, Kevin, is is when they've made their first-round picks, nobody has really said, oh my God, that's a reach. Now, they've missed on guys, maybe, you know, they missed on Jonathan Sullivan, but on draft day... Nobody was like, Jonathan Sullivan's a fat, lazy fuck, and the Saints shouldn't have picked, you know, he, he I got him rated as a fourth-round pick. Nobody said that. Nobody said, oh, Meacham, that's a reach. He's a third-round guy. So the Saints traditionally under Mickey Loomis in the first round have not made a pick where you can say, oh, my God, that's a reach.
2: Yeah, I mean, if, if anything, people were saying that when they picked Jenkins that it was genius, that they couldn't believe he fell to them.
1: Yeah. Um, so, Kevin, I want you to explain, I I want you to explain to me, um, Seneca Wallace signing with the Saints. Uh,
0: the Saints woke up, I'd like to think Mickey Loomis and or Sean Payton woke up after going out for what was just going to be a one-drink nightcap with, uh, with Rob Ryan, (laughs) And they wake up and all of a sudden they're like, wait a minute, what the hell happened? Oh my God, who did we find? And I'm not talking about Seneca Wallace. I'm talking about uh, Cade McNown or Josh McCown or Josh McNown or whatever the hell his name is. And I'm saying, holy shit, we need to find a body that can compete against this guy. Because, look, if Drew Brees goes down, the ship's going down anyway but let's at least get the fans, have the fans be, let's at least have somebody that the fans can dupe themselves into thinking is going to do a passable job, so that way we're not completely in the shithouse. Let's at least get the fans some reason to con themselves into thinking we're still competitive. So let's find somebody that's not named McNown or McCown or McCade or McQuaid or Quato, whatever, Clutter. And so they're saying, so they go to the scrap heap, and they're like, "Oh, wait a minute, it's the iguana! Oh, and it's in, hes in the dollar bin with a copy of the <laughs> first blood part two.
1: And he's I mean, not room is temperature.
0: It? No, he—he's better than room temperature. He's better than room temperature. He's better than lukewarm. He's better than that, and that's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. Like seriously, if you want to know what it's like having..." Having Cade McCall. Uh, seriously, what is this fucker's name again? I can't remember it's his name Luke. for the life of Luke me.
2: Luke McCall.
0: Luke McCall. Shit, Luke, even better. Go to the grocery store, go to the frozen food section, buy a hungry man dinner, come home, put it in the microwave for the proper time that they tell you to in the box, cook it, open the door, and just let it sit for an hour.
3: <laughs> come
0: back and try and eat it. That's what it's like having Luke McCown as your potential number two. Seneca Wallace, you're at least eating the Hungry Man dinner after, I don't know, five minutes exposed. So, you know, it's like, yeah, it's not really all that good. And the brownie is kind of (laughs) like, eh, it's like. Chocolatey flavored flour. I feel like Seneca Wallace is eating
1: the Hungry Man dinner after your cat peed on it.
0: Actually, I feel like Seneca Wallace is probably eating a Hungry Man dinner right now while listening
1: to this. Now, now, Andrew, before of course, look, they signed Seneca Wallace, and and everybody was having fun on Twitter, uh, and it was the day of the tragedy in Boston, so the fun on Twitter kind of stopped because people get this, people have this weird sort of. There's this weird sort of Twitter rule that if, if there's a tragedy, you just you have to talk about the tragedy on Twitter. You can't talk about anything else or you're yeah, like
2: yeah. or you're yeah. like
1: desecrating the you're like desecrating desicc- the tragedy and like making fun of the people in Boston, which I'll never understand. It's like you talk about what you want to fucking talk about on Twitter. I don't want to talk about the tra- tra- tragedy. I want to make Seneca Wallace jokes. Um, but People on Twitter trying to say they signed him so they can run the spread option offense. Is that the dumbest thing that you've ever heard for rationality for signing a backup quarterback?
2: Um, no, I'd, I'd like to get halfway buy into that. Just because <laughs> I, I well, I mean, I, look, it doesn't matter who the Saints sign as their backup quarterback. I mean, it does not matter. They don't have the money to invest in a guy that's going to be anywhere halfway decent. I'm not convinced Chase Daniel was halfway decent, but they certainly weren't going to get anyone as
1: good as him. So, um, and you, you don't, know, we don't even know, like we don't even know about Chase Daniel. Everybody's like he never did anything. You have no yeah, the opinion that he's any kind of good. My point. Of no, there's, there's the, nothing the to Chiefs, back that up.
2: Yeah, the Chiefs are just hedging their bets that he learned something from Drew So you know that's their that, that that's their whole gamble there, but. I think the Seneca Wallace, I mean, I, I do think that is a major concern of Peyton, especially given the fact that he plays Cam Newton twice a year. And um, he, he wants to know more about the spread. He wants to learn how to stop it. I mean, I think that, that assumes that Seneca Wallace is going to beat out McCown for the backup position. And I I, 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 wouldn't say, I wouldn't assume that.
1: Andrew, you're gonna break, I mean, I, I'm going to have you break down tape, and I want charts and graphs and advanced statistics, breaking it all down, McCown versus Seneca Wallace, backup quarterback, every single week. We're just going to have a 25 okay. block on the podcast.
2: The backup quarterback challenge meter, we'll, we'll make that happen. Yeah, but um, I, I'm, I'm not convinced he's going to beat out McCown. I mean, I, I really do think that when you're in the system, you know the playbook, and you've had, even if it's an off season and, and a preseason with the team, that gives you a huge leg up. You, the terminology comes to you quicker. The plays come to you quicker. And that's so much more important when you're a quarterback and you're making decisions about where to get rid of the football and, and all that stuff. So I'm not convinced Seneca Wallace beats out in the but assuming he does um, I, and assuming he makes it to the point in the season where the St. Scout team um, is running the read option, is running the spread offense, Um I do think Seneca Wallace will be able to mimic that pretty well. And so he'll be a valuable asset, um, maybe in that stuff. Um, but look, I mean, a lot of times they'll just have a safety that plays on special teams that runs pretty fast and doesn't, doesn't play that much. A lot of times he'll, he'll fill in as the option read quarterback on the scout team. So it's not like it has to be Seneca Wallace. It's not even like it has to be a quarterback. Um, A lot of times with the scout team, they just plug in some fast dude that can kind of mimic it a little bit. Um, And honestly, Seneca Wallace, he was that player 10 years ago. Um, He's 32. I'm not convinced he's that player now. Um, He's certainly not going to be running it as effectively as Russell Wilson and RG3 and Cam Newton and those guys. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I think there's maybe a little truth to it. I mean, that's certainly – perhaps like a, a value that you would have, like a nice little add-on if he wins the quarterback battle. But I don't think the Saints signed. You know, I think the Saints were looking at this, like uh, like Kevin said, holy shit, Luke McCown is our backup quarterback. We should probably get someone that at least mm. makes him shit his pants a little bit about losing his job. And yeah. uh, but, uh, but beyond that, I think it's just they, they wanted two veterans that are both kind of sucky to battle it out. So it's not like one guy's just handed the job.
1: And maybe I Drew. Luke McCown shits, I think
0: Luke McCown shits his pants regularly, whether it's somebody breathing down his neck or
1: not. <laughs> and this, yeah, and this, that's true. And I mean, you know, it's like, like you said, look, if, the, if Drew Brees, if Drew Brees isn't playing, the Saints are fucked anyway. And during practice, during the week, quarterbacks like Drew Brees take all the reps anyway. So the the the, the yeah. second string quarterback literally doesn't run plays in practice because Drew Brees is like, I'm fucking Drew Brees. I'm the starter. Uh, I get all the reps. You know, yeah, I mean,
2: honestly, whoever Garrett Hartley likes the best between the two of them in terms of <laughs> building the football, that that might be the difference maker.
1: That is, that is keen insight from you, Juge. Um, all right, Kevin, I'm going to throw out uh, two draft scenarios uh, that I think benefits the Saints, and you tell me which one is more likely. Uh, a team desperately wants to jump ahead of the Rams to get to Vaughn Austin at 15, or a team wants to jump up from wherever they are in the back of the round to get the second-best corner. Obviously, Dean D- Milner from Alabama is the number one corner, but if a team thinks, hey, Desmond Trufant is the second-best corner and we have him rated ahead of all the other ones, they would want to jump up at fifteen and get him. Which of those two scenarios do you think is more likely to occur to benefit the Saints?
2: You
0: asking me, Kevin? Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. I'm, I'm still here. I'm just sneezing like yeah. a bit, man. Um, I, 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 think if I think gonna be going before
1: before fifteen.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've looked at like three or four drafts where Taylor Austin is is in that position where he's gone already. I've got, I've seen the Chargers taking him, I've seen the Titans taking him, uh I've seen the fucking Bills taking him, and I've even seen the fucking Panthers taking him. But so I. I I don't know. What was the earliest one? The, the Titans, so that's pick 10. I don't know if somebody's going to want to trade up to pick 10 to take Tavon Austin. I, I, I don't know. The, the, the secondary thing is, I think, a little more likely. I could see somebody jumping ahead to grab to grab Vaccaro, uh, provided some idiot doesn't take Xavier Rhodes. I could see somebody going after Xavier Rhodes. Again, if if any of these teams are dumb enough to let Dean Milliner slip, I could see somebody going up trying to get Dean Milliner. But I, I I guess I would look at the secondary one because there's a few more of those guys as opposed to wide receivers that people would go. I mean, the only wide receiver that I see going over the Saints is uh, the hell. Is Taylor is on off. That's the only guy that's showing up yeah. in any draft. That, that's, hell, that's in the first half of the draft. I mean, I know there's only yeah. one extra pick with the Rams, but he's the only wide receiver in the first half of the draft. So if he yeah. drops, that seems unlikely. And if there's a secondary guy that somebody wants, maybe they trade up for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, so may- secondary. maybe. Maybe Cordero Patterson. If a team would want, but I just, like I said, I don't, I don't, he's not a guy you've heard from, but Andrew, this feels to me like a draft that there's going to be two or three picks in that first dozen where we're going to be like, what the fuck? And it's going to be, I I think there's going to be at least two picks and I'm going to make a prediction in the two picks in the first dozen where me and you are going to call each other and be like, what the fuck just happened? It feels like yeah. that It feels like that kind of draft to me. But I, can I be, agree.
2: I think the big question, I mean, I think D milliner is, is going to be a top 10 pick. I mean, I'll I'll be shocked if he's not.
1: Kyper you know, has um, him going but, number 1 to Detroit.
2: Oh, trading up. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously it's hard to predict trades, but um you know, like Kevin said, um, there's a good chance Devon Austin will be gone before 15, um, and I have seen him going going earlier than 15 in some cases. Um, I, I think Xavier Rhodes is definitely there at 15, but I just I, I'd be surprised to see a team reach um, for 15. But you know, I, I think right now the real I mean we know I mean if you look at a lot of these top 15 picks, we know the top three tackles are probably going to go in the top 15. Yeah. We know a lot of those elite pass rushers, Ansah, Barkeavis um Deon Jordan, and Jarvis Jones. We know those guys are at least high, highly probable candidates for top 15 picks. Um, and I keep going back to this, man, but I think quarterback is, is the huge game changer because we don't really know beyond Geno Smith how much teams are going to panic, how much teams are going to reach – I think we, as Saints fans, we have got to pray that Jacksonville takes Geno Smith second overall. If they do that, then you might see Buffalo panic and think about a EJ Manuel or think about um, Matt Barkley. And if and if, and if if they trade up to get one of those two guys, then all of a sudden you could have three quarterbacks. Or just take the them at now.
1: eight. Just take them at yeah, eight. Or, or,
2: or just take eight. Geno Smith. So. Yeah. But so my point is, I think we, as Saints fans, we really got to be rooting for that. But um, the guys that could fall to me, um, you know, you look at Star Latulele, who I still, you know, think is one of the best players in the draft, if not the best. Um, and his heart thing could, could drop him. And then the second thing, the second player is Barkevius Mingo because he's so, he's so raw. It's just – it's hard to know. I mean, obviously, he's a freak talent athletically. He's as good or better as any player in the draft, but there's a lot of unknowns with him. And so no one's really sure if I've seen him go in some mocks like second or third. And I, I don't think that's going to happen. But, um, you know, a lot of mock drafts have him in the top five and, and some I of them have him dropping to the Saints at 15. So um, those are the two players that are the real wild cards for me Barkeepy Mingo and Starlo Tulele. And I could see scenarios where both of those players are available at 15 now. If Star Lotulelei is available at 15, that's the Saints' pick. Period. End of the story. You know, put your card in one second into it, draft the guy. But Even over Mingo. I'm not Mingo? sure that's going to happen. Even over Mingo. Absolutely. Star Lotulelei is my guy. He is our spark. He's our plug. Three, four, nose tackle starter from day one. If he's available at 15, I don't think he will be. But those are the two players I'm watching. If they get drafted early. That's a bummer for the Saints because that means talent is falling earlier in the draft. If these quarterbacks start to get picked ahead of them, um, if we have a couple surprises when these players start to drop, that's really good news because, you know, even if Star gets picked at 13 or 14, that means a guy like Jarvis Jones or a guy like Barkevius is still around. Um, I mean, the more tape I watch, Ralph, and and just to get off topic, well, kind of on topic, but a player we haven't really talked about yet, the more I watch game tape and the more I think about it, I really am sold on Jarvis Jones. And I know there's the next, then issue. Um, but I don't really care about how good he's going to be in five
1: years. Andrew, I Andrew, care
2: about a guy we can plug in now. And I just, I'm praying for him to drop the 15 and, and that's a guy I really want. Andrew,
1: here's my issue with, I, I haven't been able to watch as much tape, but, I, but I've read, and this is a guy that I, I really like is Pat. i a guy I really like is Pat Kerwin who does drafting and I watched some tape on Jarvis Jones and I looked for this thing that he said and the thing he said about Jarvis Jones is it's really hard to tell about him is is he instinctive and make a lot of plays or does he not know what he's doing because he doesn't really follow the defense and he's not always where he's supposed to be and when he's makes a play, but he doesn't run the right defense. He's not in the right spot. You say, well, he's instinctive. He just knew where to go. But when he runs himself out of the play, you say he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. When you see him, what do you see out of him? Because that's, that's what I worry about him. And he disappeared in a lot of games for Georgia, too.
2: He did, but look, when you have 15 sacks in 12 games, and dude had 15 sacks in 12 or 13 games, I mean, that, that is more than a sack per game. You know, and I think if you combine Ensa, Mingo, and uh, third guy, maybe it was Deion Jordan, I couldn't remember the stats, but, like, basically they combine to have, like, one more sack than Jarvis Jones did for the yeah. season. And the bottom line is he gets to the quarterback. And I just think, you, with the possible exception of Deion Jordan, all those guys we just talked about, they're not going to be starters year one. You know, they're going to have to learn the system. They're going to have to get acclimated to the NFL. A guy like Mingo, he's going to have to get stronger. He's not going to show up, you know, and be a game starter on in week one and and be able to dominate in the NFL. Jarvis Jones, his body is ready for the NFL now. He is developed. He's He's got the speed. He's got the talent. He is ready to plug in week one and go. Um the only issue, as far as I'm concerned, is can this guy have a 10-year career in the NFL? And I don't think he can. Um, but with Drew Brees, we're in win-now mode. We're not, uh, the Saints, I don't think they can afford to think of it in terms of let's draft a guy that we can develop for three or four years down the road. They really need to look at this as we need a guy that we can draft that's going to be able to come in and start for us week one and make an impact. And for me, that guy is Jarvis Jones. And so, yes, I, I think he, his head will swim a little bit. But that's the beauty of being a three, four outside linebacker in a system like Rob Ryan's where it's a lot less about checkdowns, like a system that was in place before Ryan got there with uh, Spagnola, where you know he was basically trying to defend everything. If this happens, and you got to do this, and this happened, and guys' heads were swimming, and we saw what the result of that was, because there were too many checkdowns. There were too many. Um, moving parts for each, you know, layer of the defense. Rob Ryan's defense is all about getting in the quarterback, about being aggressive, about taking chances, and that plays right into the hands of what Jarvis Jones' game style is.
1: Yeah. Kevin, last draft question, then we'll get on to some other things. Um, you know, the Saints have done – they've signed a couple of ex, uh, ex-Cowboys uh, that played under Ryan. They tried to go – they went – Pretty hard after Nassim I wouldn't say terribly hard because they you know, he, he barely got any money from San Francisco, but they did try to push hard for him. They they pushed hard for him, but they didn't they didn't open the checkbook obviously. So with what the Saints have done in free agency, how much influence do you think Rob Ryan is gonna have come draft day in the room?
0: Uh, if I had to guess, I, I would I would say considerable. I, I because I I don't know if I don't know if the team signs him. If he doesn't have, if he doesn't feel he's getting some say. I mean, he's walking into a shit show. <laughs> I mean, I mean, look. Unless he's uh, there's two ways to look at this. There's two ways that jump out my head. One, he's looking at it as all right. These guys were so fucking terrible. All I have to do is get them to not be in the bottom five and I'm, and, or bottom, bottom seven and I'm a fucking genius and I can get a new job and leave after a year. Either being a DC in a better situation or a fucking head coaching gig again. Who knows? Or he looks at this and says, all right, if I'm going to fucking revamp this, They've decided to go three four, so that means that they're willing to go my way. Well, fuck! I need a couple of pieces, and I gotta have some things. And you better be fucking listening to my input. And I can see, I can see Sean Payton saying, "Okay, we're willing to make the switch. The guy needs a couple of uh, the guy needs a, a key play, a couple of key players here and there. So we'll let him make some calls on uh, on things. We'll let him have some input." Uh, obviously I've gotta be okay with it. Mickey's gotta be okay with it. But yeah, I, I I could definitely see Peyton and Loomis saying if if that's what we'll get him to sign the contract, then yeah, then then I guess we gotta we gotta have his voice uh, be a big one.
1: Andrew, is there any specific player that the Saints would pick that would make you say on draft day you'd be like, Oh, that's a Rob Ryan pick right there.
2: Uh, I mean, any of those, I mean, I have Vicaro, honestly. Vicaro is a safety, but, you know, he's a big time hitter. He's an aggressive player, and he's, he's just one of those guys that um, plays with attitude, plays with, um, you know, fierce competitiveness. So, I mean, that, that's definitely a guy that I think qualifies. I mean, I, I keep saying, Carlos Tulele, that if he drops to 15, I think that's a no brainer, and he is just a nasty, dominant nose tackle that Um, would anchor that defense about as well as anyone. Um, You know, I I honestly, I love Mingo, and obviously as an LSU fan, I would love to see that happen. I kind of don't view him as a Rob Ryan guy, and for that reason, I would be surprised to see the Saints take him. Um, He just doesn't have the physicality and the, now maybe they decide that he's too much of an athletic freak to pass on, um, but he's one guy that I actually don't think is a very Rob Ryan guy, because um, you know, I, I really think at first, um, he's going to be a little bit like Marquez Wilson and his lack of frame is really going to get him pushed around at the NFL level.
1: Andrew, is your TV going to be safe if this, if, uh, Taylor is there at 15 and the Saints don't pick him? Is your TV going to be safe from domestic abuse?
2: Um, no. In fact,. <laughs> If you – you know, I'll probably be watching the TV and kind of maybe ignore Twitter for a little bit um, right before the Saints pick, so I'm not alerted ahead of time, and, yeah, I'd like to watch that in real time. And so if you're following Twitter and you hear of the pick – because, you know, I I, every, I feel like Twitter always sends in the picks, like two picks before you see it on TV. Like Twitter has effectively ruined the draft for all of us. Um, because you're always two picks ahead. And by the time Roger Goodell gets up to the podium, you're like, yeah, yeah, Raj, we already
1: know. Um, Especially but, me because I have satellites. So I'm like Twitter is actually like three picks ahead.
2: Okay. So what I would suggest you do is go ahead and dial 911 emergency <laughs> and uh, get some police <sighs> over here. Because there will be physical abuse. There will be pain um, and probably a homicide um, as I destroy my TV and uh, rip its heart out um mortal combat style um if it's if, if something if, if that were to happen where Lutua is available at 15 and they pass on him um yeah I mean it's basically we're, we're talking about mortal combat gruesome saw seven movie-esque destruction on my television
1: yeah um Kevin, is there any player that you would destroy your TV Mortal Kombat style if the Saints don't pick them at 15?
0: Don't pick him at 15. Well, again, I'm the guy who's just advocating them to trade down. And, uh, I think the one thing that would cause me to go apeshit is if, is if I hear prior, uh, anywhere from 1 to uh, 14, is if I hear the New Orleans Saints have <laughs> traded with so-and-so to get their pick then I'm going to go nuts. Yeah. Um Let's see. I, I I don't fucking know. I mean, everybody that's ahead. I mean, I. It's like you know there are so many players on here that I you know that if they fell to them and they took them, I guess I'd be like, well, I want them to trade down, but they didn't, and they took this. So okay, I guess. Yeah. I think the only thing that would drive me nuts is if they took a fucking quarterback thinking, let's start the Drew Brees grooming project now. I, I, I think that's the only thing that would really blow my fucking mind. Like, that or them trading up. I, I tend to have – it's like I have that – I again, I'm always so set on trading back and collecting picks that – I've already set that bar of, well, they're probably not going to do it, so that disappointment is already there. So almost anything else they do, it's kind of like, well, yeah, I mean, they weren't trading down, so, you know, whatever. I guess it's over me. I mean, is it a complete fucking disaster in my mind? No, so then it's probably okay. So, you know, let's not at it yet. Let's wait a couple of years and then we'll start declaring that it's the worst, that it was done this thing ever and we should have seen this coming. How could we not see this coming? Blah, blah, blah.
1: Okay. I, that was going to be my last draft question, but I thought of something that we hadn't touched on. Andrew, the Jets apparently brought in Chris Ivory for a visit. The Saints put the second round tender on him. Obviously, the Jets, although I wish they would, they're not signing Chris Ivory to an offer sheet and give the Saints a second-round pick. Because if they did, Mickey Loomis, it'd be like, done. They would just, for a second-round pick, you can have Chris Ivory. So that's not going to happen.
2: Yeah, we but, don't need the seven days to match. No,
1: they would second need, like, it. Mickey Loomis would be, need, like, as fast as he'd get the words out of his mouth, thank you for the second-round pick. And, and I like Chris Ivory, but for a second-round pick, you do it. But so, But what is Chris Ivory's value? And if you're going to do a deal with the Jets, What's realistic? I think the best the Saints could do is the Saints could move up to number eight for Chris Ivory, and the Saints would have to give the Jets like a fifth-round pick. That's the best the Saints could do, or they could get a fifth-round pick in return. What's your opinion of what they could get for Chris Ivory out of the Jets?
2: Right. Wait, say that again. You're saying the Saints would move I, up to number I eight. I think the Saints could. A 15 pick? I
1: think the Saints could say to the Jets, "Look, we'll give you Chris Ivory, and we'll give you a fourth-round pick, and we move to number eight. Or we eight give you Chris five. Ivory. Yeah, we give you Chris Ivory, and the you know so they move the Jets would move back to 15. So the Saints would give them oh, Chris okay. Ivory and the fourth-round pick, and the Saints could move up seven spots." You know? and,
2: okay, so so two picks and ivory for the eighth.
1: Pick. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah, I mean,
1: I don't really. See and I don't know that. if I would do that, but I, but I think that.
2: No, I, I think I mean I could be wrong. I think it's going to be more of a straight up scenario. I, I don't see the Saints giving up ivory and a pick um, to the Jets to move up. I think yeah. it's going to be, you know, the, the Saints are just too limited in the number of picks they have this year. I don't, I don't really see them looking to move up in the draft and, and giving up some draft ammunition. I mean, they need bodies, they need depth. So I think it's more of a straight-up trade scenario. Um, a lot of my followers on Facebook and Twitter um, have a lot, of, had a lot of problems understanding this. And then, you know, I, I posted this and said that, you know, there's a fourth-round pick or fifth-round pick is what was kind of being initially discussed. And a lot of people were like, oh, all the Saints can have a second-round pick. We already tendered and bro. Um, And so I don't understand why people have so much trouble with this, but I feel like I need to explain it again. Um, Chris Ivory has been tendered a second-round pick um, by the Saints. Um, He's been tendered at the second-round level. What that means is if another team signs him to an offer sheet, um, the Saints have seven days to match that offer sheet or say, no, that's okay, we'll take your second-round pick, you can have Ivory. The Jets are not going to sign Chris Ivory to an offer sheet. They don't want to give up a second round pick for him. So what would happen is Ivory would sign his tender with the Saints um, and then he'd be under contract and then the Saints could trade him for whatever they want. So that that would be the deal basically is that he would be under his one year tender contract and then, you know, the Jets would just trade a pick for that contract. So that that's how that would play out. Um, now, as far as the value, I'm sure the Jets are starting at sixth round. And they're going to tell the Saints, look, this guy is injury prone. He's got a little bit of a fumbling problem. He has never, he, he rushed for 200 yards last year. He hasn't played much. And he, he does, he's not of huge value to your team. And you didn't even draft them. So we're giving you a sixth round pick that's way better than what you invested in him, which was no pick.
1: Okay, can I, play, can, I should take it. can I give Mickey Loomis his rebuttal? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, hey Jets, all your running backs are garbage. I'm going to show you this clip of Chris Ivory dump trucking <laughs> the Atlanta Falcons. I want a fifth round pick.
2: Well, I think the Saints want a fourth. I, I think the Saints. I, I think the fifth round pick is probably the middle ground, and that's where they end up um, possibly striking a deal. But I think the Saints are looking for a fourth. And I think if, if the Jets offered him a fourth, I think they would take it tomorrow. I think the Jets are offering a sixth. And um, so I, I, I sense that that is where the holdup is. And I sense that the Saints are trying to decide, do we keep Ivory or do we take a fifth-round pick? And that's a tough decision. I, I'm on the fence, too. I don't know how you guys feel about that. But, um, you know, if you basically told me I've got a choice between a fifth-round pick and Chris Ivory on the team, um, and the Saints are pretty stacked at running back, but uh, that's a tough
1: decision. Kevin, I'm going to leave that up to you. Chris, do you keep Chris Ivory for this year, or do you take the fifth round pick?
0: Uh, I I actually kind of like what uh, what Andrew was was we talking about the fourth round. Like maybe the Saints were thinking fourth round the whole time, and it's like the Jets come at you with the six, then you come back with the two. And they come back with the five, you haggle at the three, and then boom, you settle on four. Like, like, like negotiations go in, in that sort of phase. Now, if the Jets get hard, hard line on you and go fifth round and they're not budging and say, okay, fifth round this year, but if he rushes, and, and you work out, you work out like some sort of a, uh, like a conditional deal, where if he hits this benchmark, you give us a fifth round or a sixth round of the following season and, and, and see if that works.
1: That could. I mean, and you could even make the benchmark ridiculous, you know? I mean, you could say, look, if he runs for tw- – if, if, if Chris Ivory goes for 1,200 yards, we want a fourth or a fifth next year, and the Jets will probably be like, okay, because they can't imagine that happening. Um, but all their running backs are garbage, and if I- Ivory would stay healthy, it's it's possible. Um, you know the Saints just need picks, and and the thing about Ivory, as fun as he is, he just can't stay healthy.
0: Um, right, and, and it's just like it's just like it's one of those things where I got enough. You know, I got a few Facebook friends who just are dogged. I mean, <laughs> fucking dogged about hanging on to Ivory, and they're like, get rid of fucking Ingram. We don't need him. Ingram's a fucking bomb. Blah blah blah. Why are we get, Why won't we get rid of? We're gonna get rid of the second most valuable running back on the team behind Pierre Chris Ivory. Blah blah blah. Chris Ivory could bench press a dump truck and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, guys, I, we all love Chris Ivory. We love Chris Ivory
1: because the run against so Atlanta I, was so awesome, Kevin. It yeah, was so awesome. Yeah. that's why somebody fans to, love him.
0: Somebody needs to make an animated GIF of that. And Dave just needs to put it on Canal Street Chronicles and just have it be Canal Street Chronicles Canal Street Chronicles slash Tufts.gif and that will live forever. That will not go yes. anywhere. We can, we that can needs to be nothing. the picture for every we can story. Have the, we, can have the, <laughs> we can have the awesome preseason move that he did against the Chargers a couple of years ago where he just like, like ran right through a guy, put his hand on his an helmet, and was just like, I oh, gotta go. We can have that... And a couple of things, and put them on the internet as animated gifs, and we'll always have that. But we, we have to make a decision: it should or get off the pot. And I think we just have to decide we're better off letting him run free for somebody else, because we've made we've got we've made investments elsewhere. He's not going to get enough time, and. We just need to let them go, and we need to get something in return to try and look elsewhere.
1: Yeah. All right. I'm going to touch on this just a little bit. I know – look, you people that listen to this podcast, you don't listen to this podcast for us to talk about news events and all that. And if you want to hear about the tragedy in Boston, you can go to CNN or wherever – but
0: No, no, no. Don't go to fucking CNN.
1: <laughs> no, they'll get it wrong. They Don't arrest- go to
0: CNN. You're going to get fucking shit wrong. You're going to see Wolf Blitzer wielding a goddamn pressure cooker around like a jackass. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's
0: why they called Wolf Blitzer a jackass.
1: Oh, I love it. I love it, Kevin. Um, But, Andrew, I, I want to touch on this in sports in that every time a terrorist, you know, it, it's been... A long time since the United States has had something like this happen, and I feel every time it happens, the, the, the sporting event security ratches up even more. And because it's the Boston Marathon, which was a sporting event, I feel like the NFL especially is going to tighten that noose and security is going to get tighter, although I can't figure out really how. But is this event going to make sports an even less fun experience to go to live because of this terrorist attack. And I'm not talking about being scared or any of that. I'm just talking about, my God, this security measures are such a pain in the ass.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the NFL kind of keeps a tighter, tighter system and just has more bodies um, than most sporting events in general with security and checking, you know, and that sort of thing. I mean, it's, I mean, if you've been to any SEC games or college football games in general, um, you know, the NFL security is, is leaps and bounds ahead of college, you know, football games. So, you know, if I, if I'll, I don't know if the FBI is now going to be listening to this podcast forever. They listen
1: to everything, Andrew. Don't you listen to Axe yeah. Jones? Black uh, helicopters, they're coming for your baby.
2: Uh, I' both play, say, both yeah, play,
3: yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs>
2: I th- I would think it would be much easier, you know, if you were going to try something like that to pull it off at a college football stadium than an NFL stadium. So, um, you know, I I, I well, think don't it's down the blueprints here. But, <laughs> yeah, seriously, seriously. Um, like I said, I I think the FBI has got got me on their like top 10 wanted list, but yeah. But um, no, I I think um <laughs> I I think the NFL, you know, I mean, as much as I hate Cadell, and as much as I love to trash kind of the, the big brother NFL hierarchy, they really – I mean, it's an amazing product, and they really do an amazing job of running things efficiently. And, you know, and New Orleans in a lot of ways, I kind of view the, the city, and, and I love it. I'm from there, and um, hold it dear to my heart. So, you know, don't take this the wrong way anyone listening but I do feel like New Orleans is behind the times in a lot of ways they're not as progressive as a lot of cities Um, that's absolutely not the case with the Saints the Saints are as well run of an organization as any organization you'll see in the country really I mean they top of the line um, stuff and top of the line you know accommodations and, and infrastructure and all that stuff and to me the Saints have always been at least since Katrina, you know, since Benson kind of put money in and Sean Payton came in the team, um, they've always impressed me with how tight of a ship they run and how professionally they do it, minus you know the biking and stealing and all that stuff. But never mind that. We'll,
3: we
2: get we'll, into that. We'll just, gloss, we'll, we'll just gloss over that. But um, but um, anyway, so my point is, um, the NFL is an extremely well-run product, and they do things very efficiently. And, yeah, I mean, I could see them ramping up security, but I still think they're just going to do a great job of knocking it out of the park like they always do. Um, and, you know, when you're a, a gazillion-dollar operation like they are and no one can really touch you because you're the biggest game in town, um, that, that's what's going to happen. There's perks. There's benefits to that. And when it comes to the NFL, they know how to throw a party and they know how to run things well and, so I, I don't see
1: that ever being an issue. Kevin, do you think maybe not for the NFL, but do you think the the Boston bombing will will affect other sporting events and they'll and, and they'll be clamping down even harder Um on different sporting events, I mean, I know the Boston Marathon will probably be a police state next year, just because of what happened this of what happened this year. But I mean, do you see? Do you see? Can you can you in your mind see? Okay, when if it's a basketball game, it's going to be this way. If it's a whatever, it's things are going to change, you know. Or or maybe not even sporting events. Maybe Jazz Fest and that sort of thing, where it's kind of loose and not as tight before, but just things are going to be different from now on.
0: I'm sorry. Oh,
1: sh- that was that was a question for me. That was. I like your dramatic. Yeah. Pause. There's nothing better than d- than ten seconds of dead air in a podcast.
0: Followed <laughs> oh, gra- by Oh wait, that was for me. Yeah. Um, has- Christ. Uh, are we gonna? Yeah. Would
1: you I'm stop pay- hitting the button?
0: Damn
3: it.
1: Yeah, yeah goddamn it. They think people think you're cursing or something. I'm bleeping you out, which is totally not true. I would never take the time to do that.
0: I'm going to take the chicken shit. uh, I'm looking at it. I'm going Kevin's weird psychological thing. Uh, She'll get ratcheted up a little bit. And to to Saints fans, what I would say is, look, whatever you fucking prepare, whatever you do on game day, do it an hour earlier because the fucking dome is kind of, I'm always seeing on Twitter. Or see on Facebook how there's not enough fans there at the beginning of the game and how people are still filing in, you know, five minutes after kickoff or five minutes into the first quarter, all that kind of crap. So start shit an hour early so you can make it into security checkpoint A and hopefully be up to security checkpoint three uh, by by the time the Star Spangled Banner starts. So that way you can fucking get to your seat. Uh, for kickoff or something. And yeah, depending on where you are, if you're in the fucking six hundred, you'll still be on uh the, the third escalator. Um, but yeah, it, I mean everything is going to be clamped down a little bit more in the immediate future. But like everything, you know, ramped up security, it costs fucking money. I I, I hate, I'm going to be, I I don't know what this makes me sound like. I don't know if this makes me sound like some weird libertarian fuck freak-o or or just fucking Debbie Downer or what, but, you know, you want an extra 50 cops at your event, okay, it's just, you're going to have to pay for that, or you want a security team there, okay, fine, or worse, you want to pay some weirdo fucking merc squad with uh, some weird-ass, Logo and a name you can't pronounce to show up, and they're secretly carrying Glocks.
1: So and basically,
0: around, uh, that'll cost you a lot of fucking money. So
1: basically, your short answer is, fuck the terrorists. They raised up the Saints ticket prices.
0: Uh, it, it, it potentially, I mean, that's potentially what you're looking at. I mean,
3: sporting events, are thinking, you know,
0: that they're either gonna have to charge more. Which is inevitably come anyway, and everybody's going to get pissed about it. But there are people who will pay it anyway, because that's the way we are. But it's not; it, it won't last. It just won't. Every fucking thing, matter right it doesn't last. It doesn't. I mean, there will be maybe a couple of things that'll change, or maybe you'll get more. You know, may, at best, we'll probably get a little bit more precise. In spotting things, I think if they I think maybe, like, like in the aftermath of the Boston Marathon, everybody was like, oh my God, there was this thing, and then there was this bomb planted here. It turns out, no, it was just the fucking two, uh, and no way am I trying to fucking minimize that, but you went from the two explosions to that they're potentially like this on a, uh, on unexplored unexplained device and this thing and this thing and it's because people fucking fled the scene and they left their knapsack and we're all fucking panicked and flipping out so police have to go and check that out so police saying well we're looking at this we're looking at this but don't worry and in the media of which I am a part is saying police are investigating x number of devices at this location this location and the fucking public you know because they don't know any better because the media doesn't fucking know any better is flying off the goddamn handle. So then, what becomes that in the in the month following is is everybody becomes uber panicky over things, and and over time, uh, that's going to subside. Maybe in the long run, we become more cognizant and aware of our surroundings, which we should be, anyway. But the whole cop thing, uh, there's not going to be more police at every single event in the long run. It just won't happen. Like, next year at the Boston Marathon, oh, there will be fucking cops everywhere. Hey, hell, I'll go out on on a limb. I'll say there's actually going to be more people at the Boston Marathon next year. Why? Because fuck whoever did this, people will fucking show up. Hell, I've actually considered just going to Boston, not to fucking run a marathon, because the idea of running a fucking marathon is idiotic to me. But hey, if you want to fucking run 26 miles in you know, a fucking day. God, God, well, God love you for that. I was just like fucking going to the goddamn stands and just being <laughs> like, yeah, I don't give two shits about a marathon or any of this. I'm just here because fuck you. That's yeah. why.
3: All right, well, so I mean, mean, you'll
0: have schmucks <laughs> like me who will actually do that and go out there and, get and just fit. sit out there Get like shit me for, me for America. So... 'll There'll be events that'll be really fucking ramped up, and that's how it'll be all right. that's how it's always going to be certain events you'll get more security and eventually it'll sort of like subside but hopefully in the long run we'll all be better more aware and cognizant of things That's really the only thing you can hope for
1: well i'm gonna say I'm gonna say the one thing that I'm sure this terrorist attack in Boston will will do, is it is going to be so hard to find a fucking garbage can at large sporting events and outdoor festivals now, you'll have a better chance of finding a virgin go- girl in a whorehouse than a random garbage can, because <laughs> they're just going to be like, fuck, no garbage cans. If we could just get rid of the garbage cans, the terrorists won't have anywhere to put their bombs. Cause that's how government and law enforcement thinks, but that's my prediction. But anyway, we got to get Ooh,
3: to that's a good idea.
1: We got to get to uh, mocking the draft. And uh, Andrew Juge last week uh, in the post-game sort of post-mortem of the podcast after came up with a fantastic draft idea. Uh, Andrew, explain to the people what this week's draft is going to be.
2: Uh, well, it's very simple. Um, essentially, we are going to be drafting former Saints players.
1: And there's there's
2: no real rule um, in terms of years of service. There's no real rule in terms of whether the player played for the Saints in the 60s or the 90s or whatever. Um, there's no real rule whether they were a free agent, whether they were picked up by a trade, whether they were drafted. Um the only rule is that they must have a funny name. Um, in other words, something to do with their name that enables us to mock them. Um, that, and that's, that's it.
1: Yes, and since Andrew came up with this idea, Andrew, you get the first pick. You are on the clock.
2: All right, well, uh, I, I've had some time to research, and you, uh, you know, I, I wanted to really pick a player that was going to make an impact with his name. And, uh, that was really going to not only showcase, uh, my maturity level, which is, uh, arguably lower than that of my three-year-old son, um, but I also wanted, you know, a player that, um, kind of lived up to that name. Um, and so with the first pick overall, uh, I'm going to select Joel Schmengi um, of the 90s, uh, defensive end for the Saints. Um during his time with the Saints, my father would always refer to him as Joel Schmegma. <laughs> and uh at the time I can't even keep it straight there. At the time I wasn't really sure what Schmegma was because I you know, I was young um in the early nineties and you know, that was this was in my preteens. And um so I, I looked it up, you know, kinda got a feel for what what exactly a schmegma was and <laughs> Sure enough, he you know he he lives up to the name. He's kind of a, he looks like a smelly guy. He looks sweaty and kind of disgusting. And you know he kind of performed like Dick Cheese. You know for, for the Saints, and he really didn't uh, amount to much at all. So um, my first pick overall is Joel Schmegma, and um, you know his name is always a, a clear reminder to me of what happens when you don't wash your nether region properly.
1: Uh Kevin you have the number 2 pick. You are now on the clock. I
3: just I just keep thinking. About it. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Uh so
0: basically my draft board is really it's it's pretty fucking deep. I have a serious war room here on this You one. do? Uh Oh yeah, hey, look, you, you tell me we're looking we're doing silly names. I'm going I'm, I'm seriously I'm 20 deep here.
1: Okay, I'm hey, hey,
2: Kev, Kevin, Kevin, did I take your number one player off the board? That's all I want to know. Actually, no, no, because you had talked about taking Schmegma, and I was
0: just like, all right, I'm going to let Juge have all the Schmegma he wants. I am going to take Scott Slutsker. <laughs> Scott Slutsker. He is, he is, yes. Scott Slutsker is let me find his name. He is a tight end out of the University of Iowa, so he's a Hawkeye. So I don't I don't know I don't know how much uh, exactly what 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 he does, but if there's one thing I know about Scott Slutsker, he knows cornholing. <laughs> Ralph,
1: you're on the clock. I'm on the clock, and I discovered this name today while I was eating my lunch, and. Uh, It's so good, I thought maybe Kevin would pick it. Uh, I'm going to select from Johnson C. Smith College. He played for the Saints in 1970. Bill Dusenberry. (laughs) And I am so excited to get this pick because I wish he played for the Saints now because Dusenberry would be so much fun to say over and over again, I can't believe Dusenberry dump trucked that guy. Fuck Dusenberry fumbled again. He's a dingleberry. That name is comedy gold. I've select Bill Dusenberry. I didn't even know Johnson C. Smith was a college. I thought it's what I used to wash my hair. Andrew, you are now on the clock with the first pick of the second round.
2: How many rounds are we going? By the way, uh,
1: we're gonna go. We're gonna go at least three
0: until you chicken okay. shits get tired. Because, like I said, I'm deep on this. <laughs>
1: All
2: right. Well, uh, for my second pick, I'm going to go with um, Gerard. I just popped my cherry, <laughs> uh, the former safety and special teamer, um, because uh, basically he played for the most part of his career like a bloody vagina.
1: (laughs) Kevin, you are on the clock in the second round.
0: All right. I... (laughs) I am, uh... uh, I'm I'm looking at... Oh, boy. I am seriously debating here between a few few of these clowns. This is just great for me. Uh... You know what? I am, I am, I'm, oh, it's like, do I, do I go after, do I go after nationalities here? Do I go after, uh, do I go ethnicities? Do I go, uh, uh, adolescent names that sound sort of disgusting? No, I think I'm just going to go with a guy whose parents fucking hated him when he was born And I am going to pick, and make sure I can fucking find his name on the thing so I can tell you where he was from. My second pick is going to be... (laughs) Oh, come on, let me find it. Where's his name? Oh, it's, oh, it's, oh, it's that other letter. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The center?
3: You're running out of time, man.
0: Center from Mississippi. Drafted in 1972, played for one year for the Saints. Wimpy Winther.
1: <laughs> is that a? That's the eighth dwarf. <laughs> this is
0: this is clearly a boy named Sue situation. I guarantee you, Wimpy Winther is probably a fucking hard ass. He's got to be. Let's see. If he was 22 in 1972, that would put him at. And again, I'm just gassing 22 and 72. That would make him at least 72 right now, and I still wouldn't dare fuck with a guy named Wimpy Winther from Mississippi because this guy strikes me as somebody who had to whoop a lot of ass as a kid.
1: All right. I'm going, Am I, I'm, I'm on the clock now, I'm going with the guy, he, he's, a, he's a tremendous, he's a, the, one of the tremendous busts in Saints history, and everybody knows him, but I'm doing it in honor of my father. I'm selecting Russell Erksleben, kicker from Texas, who is arguably the worst Saints draft pick in Saints history. The reason why I'm doing it is because my father always cur- called him, for whatever reason, Russell Erksleben, Layman because he's lame, and whenever he would say him, he'd be, that's that stupid kicker for the Saints that would cry on the field and had the tantrum, because they have the video of Russell Erkslayman, if you ever see it, where, like, he missed a kick and, like, banged his hand and feet on the ground like a like a two-year-old. So in honor of my father, I'm selecting Russell Layman, as my father would call him. Uh, Andrew, you're on the clock with the third round. Well, uh,
2: is this our last round, by the way?
1: This is? Is probably the last round. I think the people. Oh man,
2: so so many good
1: options still, and
2: you know I uh, uh, I'm I'm really struggling with this pick, Ralph, because you know I, I can't I can't not mention Tabucky Jones, who had the great nickname to suck yeah. to Sucky, uh, but I don't I don't think I can pick that just because uh, while I hated him and T'Sucky was the greatest nickname ever. Um, it wasn't his God-given name, so I feel like that pick is kind of weak. Uh, you've got your garden variety Randall Gay. You know, yeah. where his last name is Gay, which is uh, almost too easy. You know, too easy of a target. But uh, we can't go through this exercise without using the word Bushrod.
3: <laughs> and
2: um, I, I'm I'm disappointed that he signed new contract uh, with the Bears in this off-season. He won't be back, and as left the Saints with a massive gaping hole at left tackle pun intended um, but um, you know hopefully we'll find a good bushrod to stuff in that gaping hole to have a potent left tackle um, but uh, anyway my, my third round pick is German Bushrod um, ger- German Bushrod if you heard me
1: correctly Kevin you are on the clock
0: I'm so disappointed that it ends here in round three, because I just got... All right, to we'll go a fourth so many... round,
1: then. I know you're so prepared. We'll go an extra round yeah. for you.
0: All right, good. Okay, because i tell you what, once round four ends, I'm just going to spout off the rest of them for the fuck of it. <laughs> uh, i tell you what, then. I'm going to take one of my uh, ethnic names here. Go ahead. P- uh, Actually, let me find his fucking name. Uh. Defensive tackle out of San Diego State. Played for the Saints in nineteen ninety seven. PO Sega wait. Sega Polutelli. Pio Sega Polutelli Pol- Pol- Saga- Pol- Saga-
3: Pol- Yeah.
0: So he was basically chasing the fucking Goonies around uh looking for one eyed of Billy's treasure.
1: Alright, is that it? I'm on the call. If,
0: if you don't get that fucking joke, fuck you, man. Just watch the movie as you a know, kid.
1: <laughs> I am going to select, uh, just because I like to say the name, uh, the first name, uh, Tinker Owens. Oh, Oklahoma.
3: he was on the board.
1: He was on the board. He's in the 70s. His brother won the Heisman. It was fantastic. Tinker couldn't catch herpes in a whorehouse for the Saints. Uh, according to Buddy D. So that's my selection, Tinker Owens, just because it's so much fun to say Tinker. So, Andrew, we move to the fourth round, and you are on the clock.
2: Well, uh, you know, obviously, um, there, there's still, I think, a lot of, uh, a lot of great options here, but uh, <laughs> personally, I'm going to go with the center that uh, came to the Saints by way of free agency from the San Diego Chargers, in 2002 uh Kendall Jaycox.
1: <laughs> That's a quality pick. That is a quality selection. Uh did he play at all or was he just like a backup? I can't remember. I
2: think I think he started for first season maybe. Hmm. A season or two. Uh
1: Kevin, uh, this will be the last round, but we will let you give the people all your research after we do it. So make 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 of your bull, uh, all the players in your bull, in your bullpen pick the best one on the board.
0: Uh, then I'm, I I I have to go with this one because again I gotta go utterly juvenile. Uh, Dick Palmer, linebacker <laughs> from Kentucky, uh, Play with the Saints, '72 and '73. He's number 52 in your programs. Uh, number one in your hand.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm going... we gotta go. We got to go one more round, Ralph. Okay. Uh, I'm going this one. Uh, this
2: one...
1: I don't know. I didn't know him, obviously, because he played before my time, but but it's just fun to stay. And that's... Uh, he played for the Saints for four years in the 70s, 73 to 77. Defensive end. Steve Bumgartner, because it's just fun to say Bum. And if he played now, I think he would be British Kevin's favorite all-time saint, because British Kevin would be able to say Bumgartner. So that's my pick. So now, Andrew, you are on the clock.
2: Okay, um, th- this next guy uh, came from kansas and he only played one season for the saints in 1975 <laughs> and his name was mike lemon mike lemon party and because he played for the saints in 75 he's old enough to actually be on the lemon party website um so it's it's a it's perfect thing if you're not familiar with <laughs> lemon party go ahead and google that and you're welcome
1: Anybody? Is it safe to Google at work? No, no, absolutely not
0: safe to Google at work. Well, I'm Googling it now, and I'm at home, so let me just. Uh...
1: I'm. I'm a. I am. A, I am afraid. I don't know what that is. I'm out of the loop, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um... Are
2: you guys? Are you guys familiar with shock sites?
1: Yeah, we are.
2: Okay. Well, Lemon Party, along with Tub Girl, and like. Uh... <laughs> Two girls, one cup. You know, it's in the lore of like all the shock sites, and Lemon Party is, is a famous one where.
1: A game um, of bingo gone horribly wrong.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh lord! The the the, the my security or my computer just started to fire up like the Matrix. I got like a green light. I got a flag waving across. knowing, do you want to go to this site? It is. Uh, it could damage your computer.
2: So Dude!
1: If you're, at work, if you're at work, don't go really? to the party.
2: <laughs> so that's my pick, the Mike Lemon party. Oh, my uh, God.
1: All right, Kevin, you are on the clock again. God.
0: Uh, loose skin and old balls, I'll just tell you that.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, Thank man. You. I can't even disscowl
1: man i can't that that's the winner that's that should have been the number 1 pick
0: that guy i mean this this one cat wearing. It
3: looks,
0: it looks like he's wearing like uh those quarterback sleeves on his arms that's just weird that's a lot of that well, that's a lot of hair for an old guy oh sand
1: so Kevin, do you have? You're on the clock. So do you have a pick for us? You got to get. Yeah, the, hang on. Got to get the card up in time, my friend.
0: It's just like, oh, man, that guy. What? Like, this guy clearly does not look like he's enjoying it. And this other guy really is. Oh man. Oh.
1: <laughs> he's giving us play-by-play from Lemon Party. This podcast yeah. has gone off the rails and is on fire.
0: The if I could if I could feel the catchphrase from the late great Pat Summerall, uh oh, we got a man down. <laughs>
1: oh, poor Pat Summerall. He did not get the send off he deserved because of the tragedy Not at all.
0: Not at all. Uh wow.
2: Um Ugh I mean
3: I'm not gonna go
0: I'm not gonna go. uh, Yeah, I tell you what. I'll just get the pick, and I'll come up with my other shit later. This is a combo. This is a combo name, and it just works so beautifully. Guido Merkins.
1: Oh, that's a good name.
0: Yeah, Guido Merkins. He uh, he was he was drafted out of Sam Houston State. He played for the Saints from 1980 to 1985. That golden era of Saints football. He was picked as a quarterback slash wide receiver slash defensive back. So he wasn't a tweener. He was a trainer.
1: And he wasn't good at any of them. And
0: he was five good at any of it. To make any kind of a lasting fucking impression. Yet we had him for six years. Well done, Saints. Well done.
1: Uh, so now I'm on the clock. And uh, yep. I wasn't planning on this going four rounds. Um, so, uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I'm in a, I'm a, I'm in a bit of a pickle. Um, but, uh, I'm going to pick this guy just because I don't, no, I can't pick him because I don't even know how to pronounce his name.
0: Um, dude, you just heard me struggle with P.O. Sagapalotelli. Yeah, well,
1: this guy... all right, well then, I, then I uh, I will back up. He played for the Saints from 1998 to 1999 at a Delaware State. Ooh, ooh aru Uh, I don't remember him. He sounds like a phonics f- lesson. What's that? <laughs> that
3: sounds, sounds like, like a phonics lesson. I Ojo
1: Project. Onomo Ojo. I I can't believe that this name isn't in Saints lore because 1998, 1999 was like the peak of Buddy D's popularity when he was feuding with Dick after he wanted him as coach. I can't believe I didn't hear – I don't have that burned in my brain as Buddy D butchering that name. Um, but that's my final pick, uh, Uru Hemeter uh, from Delaware State. So, Kevin, now that the draft is over, who did you have in your bullpen that you didn't select that you're going to sign as free agents? Uh,
0: I had – okay, so I had my, uh, my porn Are Name picks – uh Gary Wood, Joe Don Long, <laughs> Brian Schweda.
1: Larry Hardy would have been a good one there.
0: <laughs> Baron Rollins.
1: Yeah.
0: Mike Coffer. Dick <laughs> Absher and Robert Pig Goss. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um,
0: I also <laughs> in my in my fucking weirdo names I uh, and my weirdo names I had Gunnar Twiner Dino Phil Yaw, Lincoln Minor, Steve Mike Mayer, and in my 400 division, I had Klaus Wilmsmeyer, and finally, Chris Farisopoulos. <laughs> oh, and, Gre- and Greg Knopfler.
2: Yeah, I'm disappointed that Shockey didn't make this, uh, this game.
0: Yeah, but I mean, it's Shockey's like, a pretty uh, good name. Uh, I, I, Jeremy Shockey has such a special place in my heart. I couldn't really do, I couldn't really do any of this yeah. to to him. I had to, I had to just like go outside the box and, uh, and uh, you know, he find a he name. like a weird Like like Jeremy to. Jeremy Shockey's name lives for me in a way. It's it's <laughs> it's, it's basically like saying John Smith or Steve Davis. <laughs>
1: So you know what this was this was as tremendous a draft as I thought it would be when Andrew came up with the name with the idea after last week's podcast. And I have to say, Andrew, it was your idea and you totally showed stole the show and, and, and win the draft if that's even a thing that you could do uh, by bringing up a website that under no circumstances should anybody Google at work. Um, yes. Yes.
0: Seriously, do not do not look at that at work. Do not look at that at I work. Put that, In fact, I put If you listen, listen. Whatever look, whatever computer you pull that up at home, immediately burn the computer so your children don't discover it.
2: Okay. Yeah. yeah that, I, like that is just don't don't look at it.
1: Yeah. And uh, for the for the we're not
2: we're not joking here. Like, Words can't describe how bad this
1: is. No. And on the they, on and,
0: and I tell you, what, if we're if we're being honest, it really ought to be called Kiwi Party.
1: <laughs> on the on the write up for the podcast I put it in all caps. You should under no circumstances Google at work. <laughs>
0: yeah. So N S F W, seriously. N S F W.
1: So on that note for Kevin Held, who will write a power ranking sometime in July on Canal Street Chronicle. And for our fearless leader, who was MIA and couldn't make it. And for Andrew Juge, who won our Mocking the Draft. Uh, I'm Ralph Walbro. Thanks. And next week we will have our pre-draft extravaganza, where we make picks that don't come true. So long, people. Let's get an old golf.